evangelizing Muslims is the work of the Holy Spirit. We have come to uh, the end of this series on evangelizing Muslims, following in the steps of Jesus Christ and learning from His example, how He loved people, how He interacted with people, asked them questions, answered their questions, and become a friend to the sinners and the tax collectors and everybody else. We've learned a lot from the example of Jesus. We come now to something a bit difficult to express, but it comes down deep from my heart to you. As I have traveled in North Africa and the Middle East, I've encountered a number, great numbers, of people who have come to Christianity but have not been born again of the Spirit of God. That's why I see a lot of backsliding uh, and uh, typically conversion to Christianity is like a revolving door. Many come in and they come out again. As someone said, the uh, front door is narrow but the back door is wide. So they come in and they come out as quickly as they come in. The reason for that is there has not been enough emphasis on the spiritual factor in evangelization. Many people use techniques, methods, ideas, and many tolerate just people converting to Christianity, but not to Christ, even though they may believe in Jesus, but they're not born again. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 7, something very difficult to grasp and understand. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, that's the day we meet Christ in eternity. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Why is this so difficult? Because it's referring to people who pray, who worship, who even cast out demons and perform miracles in the name of Jesus. And yet Jesus tells them, I don't know you. You are evildoers. Go away from me. How can this be? I can't say that theologically I'm going to deal with this issue but I want to deal with it on a practical level. Because I have experienced a number of Muslims who have come to my training programs. And when I begin to talk about salvation and the way to salvation, it's like they never heard it before. Why is it so? An example, Maryam from Iran. She decided after leaving Iran that she hated Islam and was tired of all the Umullahs are doing in, their, in her country. She made it to Germany. 
And while she was in Germany, they went to a church, she and her husband, and they said, we want to be baptized. The German pastor did not even question her. He said, sure, baptized her, and she became a member of the church. Two years later, she made it to the United States with her husband. They joined a church here, and they told them we were baptized. They showed them a certificate of baptism, and they accepted them as members of the church. Eight years later, she comes to our uh, training for Muslim converts, and that's when I meet her. And I begin to explain what I will be explaining in a few minutes, the ingredients of salvation. She said, nobody has ever explained this to me. So when I explained about the being born again by the Spirit of God, she said, I want that. I want to be a child of God. So I can never forget the time when we had a Saudi Arabian Christian convert. She'd been a believer a couple of years. She came, was the first one to put her hand on her and pray for her. And I asked Miriam to pray with her own words. And she prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord for the first time. And after she, we finished the prayer, I said, Miriam, how do you feel? She said, Eight years ago, I became a Christian. Today, I'm born again by the Spirit of God. And everybody clapped, hallelujah. Well, there were two others in that conference where there were only 12 people sitting around three tables who said, well, you know what? I have to admit, I haven't done that either. From that time, every year when we have what we call from Cubs to Lions, a training for Muslim converts, We've had sometimes one, sometimes two, and one time I had nine out of 25 people who said, I've never done that before. Why? Because they have not been explained the full gospel. What are the ingredients of the gospel? Not only that Christianity is better than Islam, not only that Jesus promises all these good things, now I'm remembering a Kuwaiti woman who came to me one time and someone introduced her to me as a believer baptized three years before. So I asked her, what do you think about Jesus? Who is he to you? This Kuwaiti young woman said to me, oh, Jesus is a wonderful teacher. I said, anymore, what else is he? She said, he's one of the best prophets in the world. Well, I realized that she did not use the word salvation or that he is her savior. So I asked her, what do you think Jesus came to earth to do? Well, she said the right words. She said, um, yeah, he came to save us. I said, how did he save us? She did not know the answer to that. I said, what did he do uh, on the cross? She said, he died on the cross. So she believed those things. I said, did he have to die on the cross? Was there another way to save us? She said, I don't know. That revealed also the weakness in the message that she has received. Without Jesus being the only Savior and the cross the only means of salvation, people do not understand it enough. I'm not judging their souls that they're not saved if they prayed the sinner's prayer. But I can tell you that they're not able 
to share it with others in a way that will lead others to Christ. Therefore, it's very critical in evangelizing Muslims to go over the ingredients, the main points that are necessary. First of all, Muslim needs to realize they are sinners by nature, not by the acts of sin. That's very important. In Islamic theology, sin is just that you do some bad things. You also do some good things. You're both good and bad. And the balance of the two, it decides your destiny. No, no, no. We need to explain to them through the Scripture that we were born in sin. We need to ex go back to Adam, to Eve, what happened at, uh, in, the, uh, in the Garden of Eden. And the core of our nature is sin. It is a sin nature. It's a condition of the heart. It's not just you do so many bad things and you're not able to catch up with the good things. Many Muslims have converted to Christianity, but they still have the same mentality, trying to earn their salvation by praying, by doing good things, by giving money, and so on. And now they will do it in the church rather than in the mosque. It's important they understand that they are sinners through and through because of their nature of sin. Now, if you are a sinner, and as it says in 1 John, we cannot deny that we are sinners, or else we're making God to be a liar. Uh, Paul in uh, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. I go through all these scriptures to explain uh, so that a Muslim will know deep down their heart that they are sinners. The second thing is that there is a solution to sin. The solution to sin is not in my hands. There is nothing in the world that I can do to save myself. There is not any amount of good deeds that I can do to give me eternal life. Jesus became sin for us. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 22, He who is without any sin became sin for us that we may be righteous before God, to give us His righteousness. We here explain the cross. The cross is the atonement for our sin. Atonement means to cover our sin. When God looks at my sin, He looks at Jesus. He looks when I have put my trust in Him and I have crucified myself, as it says in Romans 6, we are crucified with Him on the cross. Therefore, we die to self. That death is necessary. Thankfully, I don't have to die in the physical. But I have to die spiritually by putting my trust in Him and accepting His death for me. It's like somebody writes you a check for a million dollars, but you never cash it. You put it in your pocket and it's there until you die and you never used it. In the same way, the death of Jesus is like a check written for us to pay for our sins. We have to accept that check. We have to deposit it in the bank to make use of His salvation. So Jesus died for our sins. We put our faith in Him. And that's the solution for our uh, sins. How do we benefit from that solution? 
We must confess that we are sinners. Confession is acknowledging before God, before yourself and before others that you are a sinner, you cannot help yourself, you cannot save yourself. You're like a, like a, a man in the sea drowning and you don't know how to swim. You, the, you had a shipwreck, you're plunged into the sea and you're just stumbling in the water and you cannot save yourself. Except that there's a safe boat coming, they threw uh, at you a float and you can float to safety. This safe boat is Jesus Christ. He stretches his hand and pulls you out of the <clears throat> um, drowning experience that was going to give you death. This confession of sin says, Lord, I'm helpless. I cannot help myself. I confess my sins. And First John 1 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, don't just have a Bible study. A lot of people just have Bible studies. They bring Muslims to church and they go from one sermon to the other and they have not understood the basics, that they are sinners by nature and that they need to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to cleanse them, to confess and repent. We need to explain this third step, which is repentance. Repentance, according to Isaiah 55 and verse 7, is to let the wicked man leave his old way and turn around. If he was walking away from God in sin and in darkness, turns around, accepts Jesus, and then starts a new life. This is repentance. Repentance does not mean sorrow. Does not mean that you're sorry for your sins, you're angry with yourself, you're mad at yourself for doing all these bad things, and now, okay, you promise God you won't do it again. Repentance is turning around 180 degrees, moving towards God. That requires a lifestyle of living out the Christian life. Starting the journey in Christ and finishing the journey in Christ. Many people start, they think by this sinner's prayer that every, so every problem is solved. They will not sin anymore, they will not have any more lust, they will not, never steal, they never lie. And they find out that they are still lying, they're still lusting, and then they get discouraged and they say, this has not worked for me. I've tried it, it doesn't work. The problem is that the message is wrong. We're telling them that if you just pray this prayer, you're saved forever and you're done with sin. This works for someone from a, from a nominal Christian background who knows all these things but has not taken the step towards Christ, have not internalized Jesus Christ in their lives, but does not work for someone who comes from a completely different um, worldview, different lifestyle, different understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, what sin is, what righteousness is. We need to educate properly the Muslim converts so that they can uh, experience God. Now we have understanding of sin, confession of sin, repentance. What about the born-again experience? Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, who was more religious than any Muslim I have known. He was a member 
of the Sanhedrin. He was a teacher of the law. And Jesus said to him, My friend, if you do not go back and become a baby again, if you're not born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is confused. What do you mean? You want me to go back from being an old man to being a little baby again and come out of my mother's womb? And Jesus said to him, No, it's not in the physical. It's in the spiritual. <clears throat> Jesus says in John 3, 6, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. We are flesh, will remain flesh, until we are born again by the Spirit of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us two ingredients of how to be born again. Chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. It says, Jesus came to this Jewish people who did not receive Him. They denied Him. They rejected Him. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, he gave the right to become children of God. These two ingredients are receiving Jesus personally into your life. When I have prayed this prayer with people who have been baptized before, who thought they were Christians, but they didn't understand these things, they say, you know, when I became a Christian, I didn't feel like this. I feel something happened to me. The Holy Spirit touched my heart, gave me peace, gave me joy, or some other emotion that they were experiencing at the time. It's very critical. I could tell you just in the last few months, I've prayed this prayer with, with over 20 Muslims who, have been, who are now born again by the Spirit of God. You have to receive Jesus by invitation. It's like you're sitting at home and you say, how come nobody visits me? How come nobody came to my party? Well, you didn't invite them. You forgot that, right? Jesus is knocking at the door. Revelation 3.20. He says, I am knocking at the door. If anyone opens, I'll come in. If you don't invite him in, he's not coming in. He won't push. So the Muslim needs to know that they need to invite Jesus Christ, receive him into their life, of course, based on faith. It means, he says, those who received him to those who believe in him. You have to believe in Him before you accept Him, before you invite Him into your life. What does it mean to believe Him? It means believe that He is the salvation of God. He is the only way that you could get to heaven. Jesus said, No one can come to the Father except through Me. You have to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is light of the world. He is the bread of life. If you don't eat me, you cannot live, Jesus said. If you don't drink me, you cannot live. You cannot have the water of life. Jesus is the answer to sin. He's the answer to our life and life eternal. But you must confess that you are a sinner. You must repent from your sin, receive Jesus, and believe in Him. And John 3.16 is clear. I keep repeating it. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that anyone who believes in Him does not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. 
For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but through Him the world might be saved. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone by following these steps of confession of sin, repentance from sin, receiving Jesus in your life, and believing in Him so that you will be born again by the Spirit. These steps are what cause the Holy Spirit to come into your life and give you a new birth. I have a formula that I learned from a pastor that if you are born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. If you're born only in the flesh, physical, you will die both physically and spiritually. But if you're born first from the flesh and then in the spirit, you will not have to die spiritually. You'll only die physically unless Jesus comes. He says, he who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live again. For I am the resurrection and the life. John 11:25. At the conclusion of this section on evangelizing Muslims, I want to remind us of some principles that need to be there. In a way, a summary of our whole time together here for all these hours. The main ingredients are prayer. First, you need to be in prayer. Pray for the people that you are dealing with. And ask God, plead with God. Sometimes I've had to cry and plead with the Lord on my knees. Lord, save this woman. Save this man or this family. I have also prayed for whole people, like the Kurdish people. For three months, I agonized in prayer before the Lord led me to go to Kurdistan and, uh, and do the things that the Lord led me to do. Prayer is important. But prayer is not alone enough. I have a motto, which I would teach you, three Latin words. Ora et labora. Pray and labor. We must pray hard as though it all depends on God. But we also must work hard as though it all depends on us. And the balance of prayer and work is what works. Secondly, verbal witness. All the good things you do are good, but they're not the best. The best is a verbal witness. And the, and the enemy... The good can be the enemy of the best. If you do all the humanitarian good things that you do, helping, acts of compassion, uh, without the verbal witness, it's not a witness in itself. We also witness by Christian lifestyle. We speak, but let our words match our actions and our lifestyle. We love people. We provide hospitality, friendship, helps, so that they will understand that the love of God is practical. God works through us, speaks through us, ha uh, touches people through our own hands. And the fourth principle is to always use the Scripture, hand out Scripture, share the Scripture, offer discussion of the Bible. And the fifth element is the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, we go back to the spiritual element of sharing the gospel with people. Without the Holy Spirit working on the inside, everything we do is 
uh, useless and in vain. Like when Peter was trying hard to fish all night, he did not catch any fish until he put it in the name of Jesus. Then he caught so much fish that he couldn't even handle it in himself and he had others. May the Lord use you to evangelize in this way, to be fruitful so that you have so many fish that you'll have to have a lot of people, a whole team to come and help you.